The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Do I love my job. I am in the uh, most interesting job in the world. Thank God I'm here and I appreciate it every single day. I thank you guys for being out there. I call you the smartest audience anywhere. And today I think I heard Glenn Beck referring to you guys, his audience as the smartest audience. I think we need to have like a college bowl jeopardy type tournament between some of this audience and some of Glenn's audience. Cause I know you guys would win. You would kick his ass. Uh, his audience's ass, not his ass. I can't talk about kicking the boss's ass. That, that would just be wrong and get me fired. Uh, We're talking about many things today, keeping an eye on the latest out of D.C. As uh, Donald Trump's approval rating doesn't seem to care about all of the investigating and uh, ruminating and infuriating things happening that that make Maxine Waters crazy. But instead, uh, diplomacy seems to be doing good things for Donald Trump and his approval ratings as the Saudi trip went well. The meeting with the Israelis and the Palestinians appears to have gone well. And then the meeting with the Pope, stopping at the Vatican. And, you know, as a, as a practicing Catholic and a guy who's, who's gotten his get-out-of-hell-free card for attending midnight mass at the Vatican and uh, witnessing a consistory a few years ago, uh, I, I thought I had pretty good street cred when it came to my Catholicism. But I've just been outdone. I just got a mic drop moment in, in Catholicness from Heat Street's Emily Zanotti. And I had no idea until today that Emily Zanotti, our buddy, regular guest on this show, had actually worked at the Vatican. And mm-hmm. so I said, we have to talk. We have to talk about the <laughs> Vatican. And so joining us today from Heat Street, heatst.com, the one and only Vatican-approved Emily Zanotti. How are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. How are you? You know, I get a lot of heat for, uh, pardon me, I get a lot of heat for for referring to you as uh, as the Vatican approved and doing goofy things and stuff like that. <laughs> but but see, I don't think there's any disrespect in no. in how we speak to each other. I don't think there's any any uh, I guess nastiness in it. I I think we're just trying to hip up the 
hip up the faith a little. Yeah. Oh, you're not offended by that, are you? Not at all. Well, what was this? First of all, when and and what did you do at the Vatican? So I worked there a couple of years ago um, doing a couple of things. I work with a group here in Chicago that had a branch over in the Vatican and they were working to get um, they were working to get canon law recognition for their group. And so I worked on that. Um, I have canon law experience from going to Ave Maria. And so I did a lot of research and things like that over there. And I also got the chance to work in the um, Vatican's musical uh, music archives and see the Vatican's music archives, which was a really cool thing. I was only there for a little while, but uh, it was a really great experience. Still, even if you were Vatican temp, you still had Vatican mm-hmm. experience. And, and that's great. <laughs> great stuff. I've seen, now, the Vatican... of, I've seen a lot of the backstage. <laughs> Let's put it that well, the, way. <laughs> the Vatican music archives must be massive. Yeah, they're they're huge. And uh, when I was there, they were working on restoring them and reorganizing them. And we got to see some of the works from the 14th and 15th century, some of these beautiful books that monks had put together, um, just sort of laying there. I mean, they were things that you would see as museum pieces, but the Vatican just has them by the oodles, really. <laughs> oodles. Yeah, stop with the technical terms. Oodles. <laughs> oodles. Wow. What a, what a, um, so you lived in Vatican City. Did you live in the country of the Vatican? I lived in Rome. Okay. Not a tough thing to have to deal with. No, Is it's it? really not. Um, it's really... It was very difficult, let me put it this way, to have wonderful food and great wine and beautiful places to go every day. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying I was dying to see the Vatican Gardens, but we were only there for like two days. And I kept leaning on Beck because he was there for meetings. And I kept saying, can ask him, ask him if we can see the gardens. Can we get the inside tour of the gardens? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But uh, I've never seen the gardens. I actually haven't seen the whole museum either. I wasn't there long enough to see this huge, um, sprawling museum either. Well, see, I think he got in there. He talked about some some side door that they went through that took them mm-hmm. to a tower, and they went up in the tower, and they were told they had to be there at a certain point where the light would come in through the windows and create this magical oh, wow. pattern on the floor. And I said, you're reading Dan Brown books again, aren't you? (laughs) No, no, this apparently really happened. But today there was there was a sort of a little uh, dust up on the Internet about Vatican protocol with with veils Mm -hmm. being worn. What the heck happened? So there was a dust up because Melania Trump and Ivanka Trump both wore black chapel veils to meet the Pope, and they both wore black dresses with um, wrist-length sleeves. And people were like, oh, my gosh, why would they cover their heads? Why? They've just come from Saudi Arabia where they refused to cover their heads, and now they're coming to the Vatican and they're putting headscarves on. Um, And, of course, it's actually a requirement, and this isn't always obeyed by every world leader. So there are certainly pictures of world leaders meeting the Pope without the headscarf. But um, we do, out of respect for the office, don a black mantilla and a black dress if you are having an official audience with the Pope. So n- nothing other than pure respect from the Americans yeah. to 
the customs of the Vatican. Yeah, and it's it's actually an ancient Vatican protocol. It's not something that really, if you go into our texts, you're going to find a requirement that you have to wear this black mantilla. But it's it's out of respect for the office of the Pope and the fact that you're visiting the the most holy site in Catholicism. Hmm. Lots well, of you know. It's very good to know. So, when you did you ever have an audience with the Pope when you were there? I have not had an audience with the Pope. I have seen him at his Wednesday audience with the general public, but I have never been one-on-one. Yeah, we didn't get, uh, we were, we were like on the aisle at midnight mass and he came by and gave <laughs> us a little, little blessing. And we saw the Christmas day message from, uh, from St. Peter's square, but uh, mm-hmm. I never got, never got the small group or the audience with, but, I still think we got to get out of hell free card just for being there at midnight mass. You know, that's got to count <laughs> yes. for something. Especially now, braving those crowds that are there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, it, you're so right. And and I, I think I've told this story maybe once before on this radio show that um, Mr. Beck and I were in our unsupervised era in 1989. And we might have had some of that really good Italian food and a whole lot of that really good Italian wine. <laughs> and it was Christmas Eve. And I looked at Glenn and said, you know, it'd be really cool if we could get into Midnight Mass tonight. And, you know, an hour later, we're standing begging for tickets because it, mm-hmm. it's like a giant ski lift line that winds back and forth yeah. in front of the Vatican. And we did eventually get in and there's photographic evidence. I do have... <laughs> I, I have proof of this, but it's a long story. But uh, yeah, thank you for clearing that up. Can I ask you a couple questions about stuff you've just posted recently on, sure. on Heat mm-hmm. Street? Um, wh- what the heck is wrong with Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is, an unqu- is a totally qualified expert in national security, such an expert that she actually confused the National Security Administration with the National Rifle Association yesterday when she was at a panel. (laughs) Now, I'm a member of the National Rifle Association, and I don't have a problem differentiating the NRA with the NSA. How could she make such a mistake? Apparently, she just sort of went off the... She just for lack of a better term, had a brain fart. <laughs> um, and she had just gotten done saying how much of an expert she was on, on national security and how qualified she was to make an assessment of Mike Flynn, the NSA director, national security council director, who was then let go by the Trump administration, and then proceeded to accidentally acknowledge that citizens who exercise their Second Amendment rights are part of our national security program. <laughs> I, I just love this. I tell people, if you're going to take Botox in such great amounts <laughs> over a prolonged period of time, it will eventually leak into your brain and start freezing parts of it. And right. Nancy Pelosi is, I, I believe, is a perfect example of this. I, I think she's absolutely an example. And one of my other favorite topics that you follow and I follow, how many times can Chelsea Clinton get it wrong? I love writing about Chelsea Clinton. I feel like it's <laughs> become a beat. I, I feel like I I never signed up for the Chelsea Clinton beat, but I feel like I'm publishing stories about her at least once a week. And she goes to these places and gives these lectures. And 
I must not hear the words coming out of her own mouth because they are so off the mark that it's unbelievable. Yesterday or Monday, she decided to call all Republicans, basically all Republicans or anyone who disagreed with her, racist, sexist, homophobic, jingoistic, bigoted, and Islamophobic. So if you do not agree with Chelsea Clinton, you should just put those on your business card. That's pretty much, I'm going to need a bigger business card. That's pretty much, <laughs> pretty much everything you can insult someone. And are you still seeing the push to make Chelsea Clinton, uh, I guess, uh, a viable candidate going forward? She, they're trying very hard to make her a thing. Everybody wants Chelsea Clinton to be a thing. And she just can't quite live up to that expectation. She's obviously the next generation of the Clintons, and the Clintons cannot be out of power for very long. They have an obsession with power. So the idea that they wouldn't be able to force their only daughter into political life is, is just, it makes them short circuit. So we're going to be seeing Chelsea Clinton over and over and over again, I'm sure, for the next several months. Well, as much as I, I agree with you that we're going to be seeing Chelsea Clinton over and over again for the next few months, and it's going to give you and your Heat Street unofficial Chelsea Clinton beat more more product <laughs> to churn out, I think we need to investigate something that maybe we'll call it, um, can we call it the Kennedy factor? Is it Does, does the political acumen skip a generation? Um <laughs> It, it seems like it may have with the Kennedys and perhaps perhaps it's a Democratic thing, because with the with the GOP, the Bushes went father yeah, the to Bushes son seem to go one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the Democrats, it seems to skip a generation. And I'm just wondering, maybe we're onto something there. Maybe Chelsea's baby is is the next political Clinton. <laughs> President Charlotte, what, 20, like 60 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fo following up on uh, President Malia, <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. It's kind of kooky. Well, Emily Zanotti of Heat Street, I, I thought I knew everything about you, knowing now that you worked at the Vatican. It just makes your 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 legend grow even larger. And it's I'm going to have uh, to post some pictures, maybe on Twitter, of, of my time there. Um, one of my favorites is that I had a storage room right off the st peter's square that had all these plastic chairs and things stacked up in it but it was also the resting place of a pope because there is nowhere in the vatican that is not a resting place with the pope so i'll have to post some of these pictures for you guys you are so right there are as a matter of fact <laughs> beck and i even wrote a little song called pope bones in the basement because everywhere you go <laughs> there are pope bones somebody's got a bone of a pope if not the whole yeah. body in the basement. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, I and like the chair storage center also is, is home to a pope. <laughs> yeah. Would somebody get the extra folding chairs for the Zanotti affair and just move just move Pope Innocent the, to the side and get the chairs out here? <laughs> yeah, just Fantastic. move up a little bit. It's fine. Wonderful stuff. Thank you, Emily Zanotti. I hope we get to see you again soon. No problem. Thank you. There she goes. Emily Zanotti at Heat Street. Check her out, heatstreet.com. She is on Twitter and one of my favorite people, a constitutional lawyer that we learned last week. 
and now worked at the Vatican, and uh, her storage locker had Pope bones in it, of course. Why not? We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. We still have a lot more to get to today. We will be discussing some of the weird stories of the week. Our friend Angie Austin is joining us. She just sent me a list of a couple of the uh, weird stories of the week. It's really, uh, really a a weird week already, and it's only Wednesday. And, uh, of course, we have to remind you. If, if you're like me and you have aches and pains, or at least in my case, had aches and pains, you need to check out Relief Factor. I've used Relief Factor now in my 10th week. I'm in my ninth week of not needing any kind of uh, over-the-counter help or prescription help for pain. I had chronic pain in my knees, chronic pain in my hips and my back. And it's mostly because I'm in my late 50s and I ran a lot of marathons. I ran training every day and I wore out some of the some of the parts in my knees. I don't want to replace them. I want to get on with my life. But relief factors changed everything. It's removed the inflammation and it's all natural. I take a packet at lunch, a packet at lunch, a dinner, a packet at breakfast, breakfast, lunch and dinner, relief factor. And guess what? The inflammation is gone, so the pain is gone. And I'm doing things that I used to shudder at doing before. I used to just be in pain walking around the garden. No more. I can actually do more gardening, which is good news from my wife's point of view, bad news for me, but no pain. And that's, you can't even put a price on that. But the three-week quick start pack is nineteen ninety-five. Call them. 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. It's called Relief Factor. Ask them questions. It's all natural. It worked for me. It should work for you too. Don't wait. Check out relieffactor.com or call them, 800-500-8384. I wanted to get into the president's budget, but if everybody says that the president's budget and the White House budget is dead on arrival, what's the point? Seriously, if, if the network television anchors and all these panels of experts believe that the president's budget is dead on arrival, John McCain says it's dead on arrival. Well, he's in the same party as the president. He says it's dead on arrival. Do you think you're going to get any help from Democrats? No. The Democrats are calling it a death budget. 
The Democrats are saying that this budget will kill people. Of course. So I, I wonder why even turn it in. And if you look in, inside it, there are some sneaky things in there, like this gigantic infrastructure stimulus program that apparently was put in there. But if McCain says it's dead on arrival, Mitch McConnell says it's dead on arrival, Lindsey Graham says the budget will create more Benghazis, what are we doing? Seriously, what, what, what in the hell are we doing, Mr. President? Mr. Mulvaney, Mick Mulvaney's up there defending this. And we should, we'll dive into a little bit of the comments about it. But I just wonder, what is the point in spending the time going back and forth if, if your own party has told you this thing ain't working? This is, again, you want, you want a better example of the swamp that needs to be drained? Well, they're not even, your own party is not even alongside you on this. So the budget appears to be dead on arrival. Let's not waste any time. Let's just get right to it and rewrite a new one. Ah, there's more. Al Franken's pissed me off. What a shock. And Debbie, what's her name, Schultz. Maybe she should be investigated. I'll share you that story next. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'll get to the Debbie What's-Her-Name Schultz story in just a minute. And, of course, the story of why, 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 why I believe Al Franken is just a stinky human being. I wanted to call him a turd in a suit, but I don't think that would be rude, uh, appropriate. It would be rude and probably accurate. I don't want to stoop to his level. So I won't call Al Franken a turd in a suit. Um, but um, there's news breaking out of England. Apparently, the father and brother of the Manchester bomber arrested in the Libyan capital of Tripoli by the counterterrorism force, the father and brother of the bomber arrested in Tripoli by a counterterrorism force, Apparently, we also understand that they believed that they were planning a terrorist attack in Tripoli as well. Another act. So whether or not that's the, the reason the terror alert was raised in London, we don't know. We're not sure yet. So we're still, we're still following this. I, I don't think the Brits fully know. I think they're probably trying to go through the treasure trove of evidence that they took out of the apartments they've broken into. And meanwhile, they have 1,000 troops in high-profile areas across the country as, as they're worried about the threats. So it's, it's nerve-wracking, yes. And the British are also saying that they wanted to keep the identity of the bomber quiet for a little while longer 
but that the United States leaked it out. Did we? Did we really? If we did, shame on us, because the Brits have a tendency to, to keep things quiet so they, they can. They can continue the investigation. Just before the break, I was talking about uh, the fact that John McCain and, and Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell had said that the White House budget was dead on arrival. Those weren't my words about the budget. Those were the words about the budget spoken by the leader of the Senate and two very prominent senators. So for those of you who are are pointing at me going, hey, why are you critiquing the budget? I'm not. I'm telling you what the people who are charged with pushing it through are saying. And if you bring a budget to your leadership in the Senate and they say, no, this stinks on ice, guess what? It's not going to work. You, you guys don't get it. The health care bill all over again. That failure of the first round with the health care bill damaged the White House. He took a hit to his popularity And it emboldened the Democrats. So why bring things to the Senate in the form of a budget that's only going to get laughed at and called dead on arrival? Why? Why do that? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. So, all right, step away, Mike. Step away from the anger. And let's get mad about Debbie What's-Her-Name Schultz. The former DNC chair who left the head of the DNC in shame in the middle of the convention last year is um, apparently, apparently not the nice lady she wants us to think she is. I don't know if you remember that breakfast that we covered at The Blaze. The video is still up on The Blaze. Where, where Debbie Wasserman Schultz was just about booed off the podium at her own breakfast. It was the Florida State meeting of the delegates at the Democratic National Committee in Philadelphia, and I happened to be there because I wanted to see what was going to happen. The word had gotten out that uh, Bernie Sanders basically got screwed completely by his own party, that the, the party had given the, the questions for the debate between Bernie and Hillary to Hillary. She had gotten her hands on the questions. They had already stacked the deck in terms of superdelegates. And now Bernie, Bernie was totally being just cut out by his own party. And so she was drummed out of a gig that Donna Brazil then got. And then turns out Donna Brazil's the one who handed the questions to, uh, to Hillary before the debate forwarded them. And then Donna Brazil was out, and, and the Democrats have ended up with the weakest leader of a, of a DNC that I can remember in my lifetime. But Wasserman Schultz was reelected, still remains in Congress, and apparently thinks she still has all of the power she had as, as the leader of the DNC. She's used her position on a committee that sets the, um, the budget for the U.S. Capitol Police. She's used her power and position to 
to force the chief to relinquish some evidence, something that could be considered using her authority in an attempt to interfere with a criminal investigation? Oh, I don't know. Do we call that obstruction of justice? Is that what you might call it? You know, like the Democrats have lost their minds saying that the president was obstructing justice when he allegedly, reportedly asked Jim Comey to go easy on Mike Flynn. Well, this is the case where Debbie Wasserman Schultz said at this committee meeting, at this budget hearing, quote, my understanding is the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate members' equipment when the member is not under investigation. The police chief responded, we can't return the equipment. And Wasserman Schultz said, I think you're violating the rules when you conduct your business that way, and you should expect that there will be consequences. So when the person who makes your budget, the person who decides how much money your Capitol Police Force gets, is told you should expect that there will be consequences, what are you supposed to think? It's a little mafioso-like approach. Why? Why? This is all about a federal employee and a laptop computer that uh, caused a certain employee to be booted because uh, they were building, this person allegedly was, was breaking the law. They're building a criminal case against this Pakistani staff member suspected of a massive, yeah, massive cybersecurity breach that involved sensitive congressional data and moving it off of the internal site to an off-site location. Wasserman Schultz didn't like it that this employee was, was being investigated. This is, uh, this is a very dangerous situation, isn't it? And yet, she, she is telling the Capitol Police that the evidence, the laptop here, belongs to her and can't be seized by the Capitol Police unless they tell her personally, as opposed to that she personally is being investigated, not the staffer. Wasserman Schultz was uh, approached about it and asked if they could talk about it. No, no, you may not. No, you may not. So Debbie Wasserman Schultz could be the victim of the information that was taken, allegedly taken out and funneled somewhere else. So why is she defending the guy? Why is she protecting this guy? Why is she, why is she trying to get him unbanned? And he's been banned, but she's given him a new title as an advisor instead of a technology administrator. She apparently has a friendly relationship with, with this guy and his wife. You, you know what this sounds like? This sounds just completely like the same situation we have with the relationship between Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton, and Anthony Weiner. That it doesn't matter what these people are doing. If you happen to like one person in the relationship, you're going to do whatever you can to keep the other person out of trouble. And in this case, it sure sounds like Wasserman Schultz threatened the police chief's budget.
in the annual budget hearing by saying there will be consequences. You should expect that there will be consequences. When are people going to bring these kinds of actions up in front of a congressional committee? When are people going to put Wasserman Schultz on the stand and make her address her abuses of power? How many more times is she going to get another pass? Remember when she left the chairmanship of the DNC, she was supposed to get a key position in the Hillary Clinton campaign. Or was that just the deal to get her out? This is part of the swamp that needs to be drained too. But the voters have to do it. I just don't know if South Florida is ready to do it. Unless the GOP... House has the courage to stand up and bring Washington Schultz up and ask her what the hell she meant. She'll just be allowed to continue. It needs to stop and it needs to stop now. When we get back, another person who needs to stop, a guy that once made his bones on Saturday Night Live and now is uh, a senator. Just one of the most irritating people in the Senate. We'll get into Mr. Franken and what he's doing lately that I find so offensive. That's next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Every now and then I'll pay attention to the commercials. And this morning early, I was driving out to uh, to pick up some. Uh, let's be honest. I was driving out to check and see if I won $250 million in the lottery and needed to skip work today. That didn't happen. So I'm here. But I was listening to a commercial on the radio. And there was uh, one of those lawyer commercials that says, if you have ever used Roundup and you've noticed that your toes are falling off, you need to call us. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? What? Now I have to worry about Roundup? I'm sorry, but some of us need that kind of stuff to kill weeds. God help us if that's really as bad as this commercial said. Uh, You know, I do wear gloves. So I'm just... I need to know, has anyone else seen this or heard this? Maybe it's just one of those panicked commercials. I've not heard this until today, but it's, I think it's a Delaware commercial. Uh, Speaking of things that irritate me, you know who it is. It's Al Franken. And I I don't really care about Al Franken, but my very first and only in-person experience with Al Franken could not have been uh, less pleasing I ran into Al Franken on the streets of New York, and I had um, I had been interested in trying to book him on a radio show because he just had put out a book. And he couldn't have been more rude if he tried. So that's my experience with Al Franken. And then watching him in hearings in the Senate, I tend to think that's probably who Al Franken is, is a rude guy that thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And so Al Franken has just put out a new book called Al Franken, Giant of the Senate. 
giant of the Senate, but I hate Ted Cruz is one of the one of the titles of the chapter in the book. So let's hear what Al Franken has to say about this. I, you know, you can disagree with another senator. I thought there used to be a little bit of protocol and respect, but he was being interviewed by the USA Today and spoke with uh, the reporter. You write about several Republican senators with whom you build real relationships, including yeah. some very conservative ones. But you do seem to hate Ted Cruz. Well, you have to understand that I probably like Ted Cruz more than most other uh, of my colleagues uh, like Ted Cruz, but I hate Ted Cruz. But it, and it's I, I write about it, and <clears throat> I think it's fair. <laughs> and uh, I think it's fair to say you hate somebody you work with. I think it's fair to say you hate a person. A little extreme. A little extreme. You know, you can have problems with him. He he and Ted apparently think the other broke protocol. He's still mad that Ted called Mitch McConnell a liar on the Senate floor. Isn't that between Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell? Seriously, this this is why I can't stand Al Franken. He refers to himself in the interview that's on The Blaze right now. Trey Goins Phillips put it out uh, just about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago. In this interview, he refers to himself as if he... Uh, has the ability to play 3D chess and marvel other people with his thinking. Minnesota, what are you doing? Seriously, Minnesota, I know so many great people from Minnesota, so many great conservatives from Minnesota. How does this guy keep getting elected? And is this really the best? When we come back, I, I want to go back down to Louisiana and talk to a guy who's a state senator in Louisiana we've talked to before. You might remember him. Uh, we're going to talk about making the tent bigger for the GOP. Yes, we're going to talk about black GOP voters next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.